indeed thankful and grateful for the wonderful God that we are blessed to serve and we are thankful for the opportunity to have worshiped. And as we come to our moment of preaching today, I do want to extend my gratitude and my appreciation to my brothers and sister for their partnership in, um, in this venture called a Thanksgiving Revival Series. So shout out to my friend and my brother, Pastor Marvin Gilliam Jr. of the Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, who blessed us on first Sunday. Uh, to Pastor Shamara Haynes of Greater Joy Community Church uh, in Richmond, Virginia, uh, who blessed us last Sunday. And to uh, Brother Pastor Pierce Williams of First Union Baptist Church in Richmond, Virginia, who will bless us next Sunday. I am the lone Midwesterner in, uh, <laughs> in this series. And uh, so let's see what the Lord has to say from the cornfields. Our scripture today is going to come from the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. I'm going to be reading for your hearing verses 11 through 19 from the English Standard Version. Luke chapter 17 verses 11 through 19 from the English Standard Version. Beginning at verse 11, it says these words. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests." And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and said, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. <laughs> then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. To continue this four-part Thanksgiving revival series, today, let's talk for a few moments about being more than just thankful more than just thankful it's that time of year again time for good food good smells good taste and good company time to lick our lips loose our belts laugh with family Thanksgiving is upon us once again. Unlike Halloween, which can in no way be said to celebrate the same things we are encouraged to celebrate in the kingdom, 
Thanksgiving is a cultural holiday that highlights qualities and character traits that we are clear God celebrates in his word. This holiday is set aside for the explicit purpose of reminding us to pause in the middle of all of our blessings and say thank you. I find it so fitting each year that before we enter the season of giving, we pause to say thank you for all that we have already received. So while not a biblical holiday or celebration, Thanksgiving, apart from the foolishness with the pilgrims, has become an opportunity to emphasize and to celebrate the very spiritual, psychological, and social disposition that God himself celebrates and encourages. All throughout the constitution of the kingdom of God that we call the Bible, we can find reminder after reminder of both the importance of thankfulness and the necessity of gratitude. Psalm 100 verses 4 and 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians 4 and 2 says, Persevere in prayer, watching in it with thanksgiving. And Psalm chapter 9 verse 1 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. It is a very simple lesson. One of the first lessons that we learn as a child, as a matter of fact, when someone gives you something or does something for you, it is only right and polite to say thank you. Unfortunately, it seems as though the world we live in is each day forgetting more and more that simple lesson that we all learned as children. I cannot tell you how many times I've held doors for people that walked right on by like the door was holding itself, times that I've stepped to the side to make it easier for someone to get through and not receive so much as a glance, times that I have waited in traffic and let a car merge and never received any kind of acknowledgement. I mean, do something, give me something, say something, honk your horn, wave at me, do something, but let me know, acknowledge knowledge in some way, shape, or form that you understand what I've done for you. English writer and philosopher and lay theologian Gilbert K. Chesterton said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. Children of God, we must be careful in a world that embraces an entitlement mentality that we buck that standard and continue to take life with gratitude. Swiss philosopher uh, Henri Friedrich Amiel is quoted as having said, thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words, but here it is. Gratitude is shown in acts. 
The challenge we face today, my friends, as citizens of God's kingdom seeking uh, to reproduce his culture and character in this world is to live lives not just of thankfulness, but also of gratitude. President John F. Kennedy said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. That's why sometimes when we come to worship and we start talking all about the wonderful things that God has done for us, I ask myself from time to time if we really get it. Is it really registering with us that he didn't have to wake us up this morning? I know it's become cliche, but that doesn't make it any less true when you really think about it. Do we really connect with the fact that he woke us up in our right mind? With the activity of our limbs, have we slipped into a place where we take for granted that he put food on our tables and clothes on our backs? When was the last time that we really stopped to think about everything that he has to manage and sustain in order for the light to come on when we hit the switch and the water to run when we turn the faucet? I'm not saying that we're not thankful today, but the absence of outward expression and demonstration does call into question our degree of gratitude. How is it possible that on one hand we genuinely believe that God is our provider and sustainer, yet when he provides and sustains, we don't find or feel any prompting within us to not just feel thankful, but to demonstrate our gratitude. When mother or father or sister or brother or best friend does something meaningful for us, we attach to that thank you a hug or a kiss or some tears or some in-kind gesture to express to them how much we appreciate what they've done for us. In fact, we will rise early in the morning if necessary and drive great distances just to say thank you. This month and next, we will take our hard-earned money and spend it at store after store, supporting local black businesses, I hope, to purchase items for people as expressions of gratitude for who they are in our lives. The expression is connected to the contribution. But for some reason, there remains a disconnect between what we say God has done for us and how we show him our appreciation for what we say he has done. Ask your neighbor, why is that? Type, you should type that in the chat. Why is that? We get up at four in the morning, five days a week to get to our job on time, but can't get up by 7.30 one day out of the week to make it to worship on time. Why is that? We spend money on gadgets and gizmos, Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and Peacock and Apple TV, giving to charities and organizations we have no connection to and buy 36 rolls of toilet paper when 12 will do, but we can't find the money in our budget to, out of gratitude and not obligation, consistently contribute to the work of the church that we say God has led us to that helped us to grow in our faith, supported us in our trials and surrounded us with loving relationships. Why is that? 
We find time for everything we want to do and everywhere we want to go, but somehow can't find time to pray, can't find time to read the word, can't find time to just be still on a daily basis so that we can hear from the one that we say knows the plans that he has for us. Why is that? Now understand that I'm not saying that we aren't grateful. But the absence of outward expression and demonstration does call into question our degree of gratitude. It's the same quandary that Jesus faces in our text today when in verse 11 it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Brothers and sisters, as we prepare to sit around the table this week facing the stuffing and stuffing our faces, I hope that we all will be more than just thankful. But what does that mean, you ask, to be more than just thankful? Well, let's walk through our text today, and I believe that you will catch what I'm cooking. Our text today opens up. There in verse 11 with, first of all, the conditions producing gratitude. The conditions producing gratitude. Verse 11 again says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. The Bible says here that these 10 men that Jesus meets upon entering the village between Samaria and Galilee were lepers. And out uh, and one out of the 10 was a Samaritan, meaning that he had lived his entire life being looked down upon socially from both the Jewish and the Gentile communities for being a half-breed mix of Jew and non-Jew lineage only to then be doubly excluded upon contracting leprosy. Now, leprosy, for those of you who may not be familiar, was one of the worst diseases of the day. Imagine having an incurable skin condition with medicine being what it was 2,000 years ago. Suffice it to say that a contagious disease like leprosy that would literally destroy your flesh to the point that body parts and even limbs would die and just fall off could not be cured, only contained. So the human beings who contracted the disease, these mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, were required by Levitical law recorded in Leviticus 13 to drop whatever they were doing in life, to close their business, drop out of school, leave their family, vacate their home, and move outside of the city where they would most likely spend the rest of their days begging for charity with other lepers. In an instant. Life as they knew it would change. Anybody ever been there before? 
you may feel like your life has leprosy today. Life was going well, then out of nowhere, it seemed like things that were functioning and active just began to wither and die. Relationships that used to embrace you now run from you when they see you coming. Income streams that once overflowed have dried up, leaving you on the verge of begging just to pay the bills. Dreams that once appeared so clear that you could easily confuse them with reality have become so dark and distant that you wonder if they're ever really going to come true. If that's you today, as distressing as it may seem, you can find hope in knowing that you are simply experiencing the conditions that produce gratitude. What do you mean? The people that you meet in life that are the most thankful and the most grateful are oftentimes the people that have experienced the greatest obstacles. That's why if you want a heartfelt grace before a meal, ask a person that knows what it's like to be hungry. If you want to motivate people to be mentors, then ask somebody to speak who had a mentor that changed their lives. The reality of gratitude is that it only grows in the soil of situations and circumstances that we can't do anything about by ourselves. It's frequently said that there is no testimony without a test, and I'll add to that today that there is no gratitude without a trial. Oh, you can be thankful without going through, but if you ever go through, it's going to produce within you the thankfulness that you must demonstrate itself, better known as gratitude. These 10 men calling out to Jesus on that dusty road that day with the disease they were likely to die with had no idea that the depression and the distress was simply a setup for the miracle working power of Jesus. Truth is whether life right now is good or bad, the present condition of our lives is ripe with opportunities to be thankful. Buddha says let us rise up and be thankful for if we didn't learn a lot today, at least we learned a little. And if we didn't learn a little, at least we didn't get sick. And if we got sick, at least we didn't die. So let us all be thankful. So if you can't find any other reason, you can at least be thankful that what you're experiencing right now is simply the conditions producing gratitude. If your life were a multiplication problem, product would be gratitude and the terms that come together to produce that result would be the conditions of your life today times the wonder work and power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the conditions that we find these 10 men in are ripe for producing gratitude from the manifestation of a miracle. And when that miracle takes place, we find in verses 14 through 16, secondly, the proper posture of gratitude. The proper posture of gratitude. Verse 14 says, when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, 
they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. <clears throat> now, he was a Samaritan. Ten men, together on the road. Nine Jews plus one Samaritan. Together, in a group, see Jesus coming and cry out to him to have mercy. We'll save the fact that trials and tragedy can make you forget about social boundaries for another sermon. And here, simply note that these events serve as a practical experience for Jesus' disciples after his lesson on faith in verse 5 and 6 earlier in the chapter. See, there they requested of him to increase their faith, and he lets them know that if they just have tiny faith, the size of a mustard seed, that they would be able to make a tree uproot itself from the ground and plant itself in the sea. Having no doubt heard about what Jesus had done for others, including cleansing another leper that is recorded in chapter 5 of this gospel, these men knew that they were calling out to someone that could help. <laughs> when I ask you, who do you call when you're in need of help? You ought to tell your neighbor, who you call and what you call him matters. Calling out to him, for one, was evidence of some level of belief that he had the capacity to do something. But calling him master is evidence on some level that they believed that he had the ability to do something. Though subtle, this evidence of faith in Jesus' capacity and ability to do something to change their situation produces a call for mercy from the one in the position to be merciful. <clears throat> can I pause right here and just tell you that an easy assessment of your faith can be done when you're in crisis? Because whoever is the first person you call, that's who you have the faith in will respond and be able to bring about or at least lead you to resolution for your problem. Several years ago, when Janae was driving her car, the front driver's side tire literally came off the car and went rolling down the street. And she called me because she had faith in me that I would respond to her call and be able to help bring resolution to her problem. Brothers and sisters, trials, tribulations, challenges, obstacles, heartaches, and heartbreaks are all a part of life. As long as we keep living, we will experience challenging times. But in those challenging times, make sure that before you call on anybody else, before you call on your daddy, before you call on your brother, before you call on your mama, or before you call on your sister, before you call on your boyfriend, before you call on your next door neighbor, before you call on your best friend or your boo, make sure the first one that you call is Jesus. 
Jesus. That initial demonstration of faith in his capacity to respond and his ability to bring about resolution positions you in a posture of dependence on him, elevating him to the proper place in your life and authorizing him to divinely intervene in your situation. So Jesus responds to the cries of the lepers by drawing from them an act of faith that results in their physical healing. The command is to go and to show yourselves to the priest who would have the authority to reinstate them into society and the command is given before any healing has manifested. So every step that they take as they turn and start down the road was a step of faith. And there will be times in our lives when you call out to Jesus that, and the answer that you get demands that you move forward in faith before anything appears to change. God calls you to go back to school, but you don't have any money. Start applying today and let your faith activate the provision. God calls you to build the business, but you don't have any clients or customers, and you aren't even sure where the business will be. Well, acquire the license and get you an EIN from the IRS ASAP. Sometimes you have to start moving in obedience as if what you're waiting on has already taken place. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Faith buys the crib before anybody's pregnant. Faith builds the doghouse before there's a dog. Faith buys the house with the two-car garage while you're still riding a bicycle. Faith eats healthier while the doctor is still prescribing medications. Faith joins the church while it's just four people in a basement. Faith participates in the work of the kingdom while we're still learning and growing. Faith is faith because it moves as if things have already changed when all around you, everything still looks the same. Jesus rewards these initial demonstrations of faith with the physical healing of all ten members of this crew of lepers. Overjoyed, most of them probably start walking much faster, if not running, to get to the priest as quickly as possible so they can return home to their wives and children, return to their work and fields, return to life as normal. It is, however, the sole Samaritan of the bunch, the one who, though clean, would continue to be a social outcast, that turned his back on his social standing and anybody that may have been waiting on him to come home, praises God with a loud voice and falls on his face at Jesus' feet. This, my friends, is the proper posture of gratitude. 
Thanksgiving says thank you while it keeps moving down the road, continuing with whatever it's doing at the moment. But gratitude, however, interrupts whatever you are currently doing and demands some show of demonstration. And when we really understand and appreciate what God has done for us, it doesn't matter what else is going on in our lives, what other obstacles we have to overcome, nor does it matter what anybody else does when we are overcome and overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has delivered us from, from what he has restored to our lives, for how he has changed and transformed our future, we won't be able to stay silent or stay seated like this man. Our gratitude will compel us to open our mouths, to give him praise, to humble ourselves and kneel at his feet, worshiping him and giving him thanks for the wonderful things that he has done. <laughs> it is the proper posture of gratitude. And from the proper posture of gratitude, we will reap the benefits of, thirdly and finally, the restorative properties of gratitude. In verse 17, the scripture says, then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. As our story climaxes, nine of the ten continue on their way to be restored to society by the priest. One. One out of the ten makes the intentional decision prompted by his gratitude to return to, the, to Jesus and he ends up getting more than what he bargained for. When he alone returns, Jesus rhetorically asks, where the others that were healed as well are, as if to publicly question their gratitude for the miracle that has been performed. They were undoubtedly thankful for their healing, but there was a disconnection between their healing and the healer. When God moves in our lives, we too must be careful to not separate the miracle from the miracle worker because the nine that did so missed out on an even bigger blessing. While they continue down the road with their physical healing to show themselves to the priest, the Samaritan returned and showed himself to the high priest. And while faith might have healed their flesh, it was gratitude that restored his spirit. Luke, the writer of the gospel of the same name, was a physician, a doctor. And as such, he pays very close attention to detail and is very intentional about the language he uses to describe the workings of Jesus in the text. 
Here in this story, what can be easily overlooked are the three different words that Luke uses to describe what Jesus did. In verse 15, Luke uses the word healed to describe the man's condition as he returned to Jesus. The word used here for healed is a medical term, hiatha, which literally means to mend or repair. So it is the acknowledgement that what was broken and in disrepair about his life that had been mended that motivated him to return to Jesus. Jesus tells us in verse 17 how he did it when he says, we're not 10 cleansed. The word used here for cleansed is also the medical term catharizo, which is where we get our word catheter from and literally means to remove impurities. So Jesus acknowledges that he has removed the impurities from within the 10 men, thus repairing or mending their physical bodies. But then when he looks down and realizes that only one-tenth of the group returned to offer praise, he says to that lone Samaritan man, your faith has made you well. The word used here for well is not a medical term, but a familiar term in scripture, sozo, which translated means saved from destruction. While the faith of the nine might have gotten them physical healing that day, the faith of the one got him physical healing and his gratitude that drove him back to the feet of Jesus to outwardly demonstrate his appreciation for what he had done led to the restoration of his soul family with all of the wonderful things that God does for us on a consistent basis. It is understandably difficult to always be one of the ten about the little things in life. It can be easy to sit back and to save our shout, to save our hallelujah, to save our praise, to save our hand waves, to save our passionate singing for some other major manifestation of the power of God in our lives, but it is my prayer that we all mature to the point where we can be more than just thankful, where we, through the week, praise and worship God for the wonderful things that he is doing, then rise early on Sunday mornings to get to the house before worship begins, because we're so excited to be able to worship our great God and King for not just what he's done in our our life, not just what he's done in your life, but what he is, uh, what he's doing right now, what he still has yet to do, and if not for any of those things, to just worship him because of who he is. I pray this week that the Holy Spirit arrest each of us and flood our minds with the memories of the times that he has come through, the times that he's healed, the times that he's provided direction, the times that he's comforted us remind us Lord of the self-esteem that you built up of the identity that you restored of the thirst that you quenched remind us Lord of the fears that you calmed of the questions that you answered of the answers that you gave remind us Lord of the doors that you opened of the doors that you shut 
of the ways that you made. Remind us, Lord. And while you're reminding us of all of the things that you've done, of course, Jesus, remind us of the sacrifice that you made on Calvary. Remind us of the agony of Friday. Remind us of the silence of Saturday. And remind us of the victory of Sunday morning. As we are reminded, may we be more than thankful. May we be so overwhelmed with gratitude for what he's done that it demands an immediate demonstration of appreciation because for the wonderful things that he has done, he deserves the glory and the honor and the praise. Hallelujah to the God that loves us. Hallelujah to the God that saved us. Hallelujah to the God that restored us and is deserving of our gratitude. There is something necessary in our lives and in our relationship and interaction with Jesus that demands from us that we be more than just thankful. That we be challenged and embrace the challenge to not let our praise Stop with the fruit of our lips. But that our genuine heartfelt thanks for who God is and what Jesus has done for us and the opportunities that we have because of what he's done, that it would be enough to motivate us to not only say thank you, but to live lives of gratitude that demonstrate just how thankful we are. that we would no longer be okay with just saying thank you. But that the declaration would have to be accompanied by some kind of demonstration. Because when you are truly grateful for what somebody else has done for you, Just saying thank you is never enough. I wish for all of the things that my parents have done for me, providing for me, guiding me, saving me time after time, after stupid decision, after stupid decision, loving me through all of that. I wish I would be arrogant enough pompous enough and 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 and, uh, and um, uh, ignorant enough to just say thank you and think that that's sufficient no for for all of the things that they have done it demands more than just an audible thank you it demands some kind of demonstration associated with it I will never be able to say thank you enough but I can do my best. And we will never be able to say thank you enough. No demonstration that we give to God will be enough for all that he has done for us. But that ought not stop us from trying. 
this Thanksgiving. Challenge for us all is to be more than just thankful. As you reflect in the coming days on all that you have to be thankful for, let me challenge you that as you reflect and remember how blessed you are and that little feeling starts bubbling up in your stomach realize it ain't got nothing to do with something that you ate but that it is the seeds of demonstration the demonstration gratitude this year embrace that feeling and allow that gratitude to come out to be expressed in a meaningful and intentional and purposeful way because if God has truly been good to you simply saying thank you is not enough This week, be more than just thankful. Father, we thank you and we bless you. The time that you have given us to be able to share in your word today. Lord, we thank you for how perfect and appropriate your word is for our lives. today, Lord, we thank you as we reflect on all of the wonderful things that you have already done. We thank you for the things that you are doing in our lives in this very moment. And we thank you, Lord, for the things that you still have yet to do. And as we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise today, we pray that you would help us to be more than just thankful to connect our gratitude to our activity that the value of what you have done in our lives would be seen, could be observed, can be demonstrated through the activity of our being. Lord, if we have been taking for granted all of the wonderful ways that you have blessed us, help us to embrace the conviction today to repent for our ingratitude and to embrace the opportunity to show you how much we appreciate all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for my brother Marvin. Thank you for my sister Shamara. Thank you for my brother Pierce. Thank you for this time of sharing during this month of November. We thank you, God, for the wonderful congregations that we have the opportunity to serve. And we pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by the offering that we have given. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for choosing us. These things we lift up to you as our prayer on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.